situated on the hills of green grass throughout Ireland, Scotland. Quiet places of brooks meandering along the meadows, possibly out west. Many a picture has been used to capture and to be the backdrop of the words of a passage of Scripture that we are looking at today. A sheep, a river, meadow, table, oil, a valley even, and then that of a shepherd. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Psalm chapter 23. The most well-known psalm of all 150 of them. Charles Spurgeon stated this about this psalm. He called it this. It is the pearl of psalms. Another 19th century preacher, Stuart Perone, stated this, There is no psalm in which the absence of all doubt, the absence of all misgiving, the absence of all fear and anxiety is so remarkable as in this psalm. This psalm is mighty. These six verses that we are going to look at, they are majestic, yet this psalm is common. It's common. You think you know the psalm. You think when I state Psalm 23, oh yes, I've seen it, I've read it, I know it. And that you very well possibly May do. But all week, my prayer has been that you and I would see this psalm afresh and anew. All week, my prayer has been that you and I would be allowed to see this psalm differently. So I'm going to read the six verses and we are going to look at three truths from this psalm. This morning. Psalm chapter 23, I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version, states this A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. Let's pray. Father, we have sung songs of your attributes, of how you came down out of heaven. Not not because you had to, Father, but because you chose to. We sang about your love and how great it is. A love that covers sin. Sin of, of attitudes and sins of, of words. Sins of action or sins of inaction. Your love has flowed from you because that's who you are. These in this room this morning, Lord, we come and ask that you would speak. Speak from these words. Show us afresh and anew who you are, what you have done. And Father, may it jolt me, us, back to you. May it jolt us in such a way, Father, for those that are in this room that don't know you, may may. Hearing your word this morning, bring life. For that is who you are and that is what your word is. It is life. Lord, these words, as I just stated, they are common to us. We have heard them over and over and over again. Father, would you draw us close? For those of us in this room, would we have ears attentive to you? For you are speaking from this word about you. May we see that. May we also be challenged, encouraged, for the action, the obedience, the steps that You would have for us after hearing from You. God, You have been so good. Thank You. We don't deserve any of this. Thank You. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know how many times I have heard this psalm. I don't know how many times I have spoken this psalm, read this psalm. But as I was thinking of the sermon series that we are in, one of the first names that I thought of was from this psalm. It comes out of verse number one, 
You see it on the screen behind me. The name is Yahweh, or the name, as we have already stated, is Jehovah-Rohi. Yahweh-Rohi or Jehovah-Rohi, the same name, stated two separate ways, but the name in English is the Lord, my shepherd. The Lord, my shepherd. Rohi is a, a different, it is different than any of the other names. It's more like a position or a stance than it is a proper name. Rohi is how God positions Himself toward His children. And there, this is no small thing. So the first truth that we see from this passage is this. The position taken of the one with the name, it is unique. The position that God takes toward His children, toward you and me, those of us who are His. It is unique. This God, think of Him for just a moment. We sang about some of those attributes just a moment ago. But, but we sang that there is, there will never be another one like Him. There will never be another God like Him. There is no other God like him there is only one god every other item thing person that says they are god they are not like him they are not him there is only one and this is how he chooses to position himself toward his children you me this transcendent God, high, majestic, this omnipotent, omniscient, which is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-inspiring God comes and takes the position of a shepherd. Comes and takes the position of a shepherd toward those who are His. Let me read for us the first three verses and let's look at this position afresh and anew this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The position that God takes is that of shepherd. If you look at these verses, all six of them, you see what the shepherd does. The shepherd in verse 3 restores one's soul. The shepherd in verse 2 is with the sheep. The shepherd in verse 4, a moment ago we read it, that his rod and his staff, they comfort the sheep. The shepherd anoints one's head with oil. The shepherd, in verse 1, gives all those things of need and even want, because I shall not want. He's given the sheep everything 
the shepherd in verse 2 leads a sheep to pasture, leads a sheep to water. The shepherd and this God, Jehovah Yahweh Rohi, the Lord my shepherd, has come. And he has come low and he has come close. It wasn't too long ago that I was reading in Genesis and I came to a passage in Genesis in chapter 46. And in Genesis chapter 46, it's the story of Joseph and his brothers being reunited to themselves. And Joseph is in Egypt and he is there with Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And a couple of things happen in chapter 45 and 46. The first is uh, what we probably all remember about that passage, if we remember anything, when he says to them, hey, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. What a statement. But in chapter 46, something comes out about a shepherd, and that is the livelihood of all the 70 of Jacob's people. All 70 that came to Egypt, what states in chapter 46, all 70 of them had one trade, and that trade was that they were shepherds. And if you look in chapter 46, verses 32 through 34, it states this about shepherds. The Egyptians look as shepherds, as an abomination. They hated shepherds. Yet God comes to his children as a shepherd. You're like, well, that's just the Egyptians. Look at Jesus' day. Look in Luke chapter 2. The lowly of the culture. Those outcasts, even in the eyes of the Jews, the lowest of the low were those in a crew, in a clan, in a group named shepherds. And that is the first that he told the news of. Genesis chapter 43, Genesis chapter 46 speak of this aspect of shepherds. Luke chapter 2. But then look at another psalm. I believe it will be on the screen. Psalm chapter 28 verse 9. God states this about shepherding. In Psalm chapter 28, verse 9, he states this, O save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, Ezekiel prophesies of this about a shepherd. If you see those verses that are there, see if I can remember. There it is, Ezekiel. Chapter 34, verse 11, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself, I will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep and have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered. And on a day of clouds and thick darkness, and I will bring them out from the people's. I will gather them from the countries, will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. 
by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them with good pasture and on mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. On rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will seek the lost. And I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Over and over again, we see the position that God takes toward you. It is a unique position. This position that has been in front of you, this position that you and I are allowed to see because of verses like this in Psalm 23, in Psalm 28, in Ezekiel. Other passages in the Old Testament. A passage in the New Testament. John chapter 10, verses um, 27 through 29. My sheep, Jesus is speaking of, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. He speaks of him being the great shepherd. It is a unique position. You're like, well, that's fine and dandy, Brian. But what does that mean for me? What does that mean for us today? It means that he is close to you. He is close right now to you. He's close to you when you are wandering in your words, sir. Ma'am, when you're wandering with the attitude that you might have, he's close. He's close to us, not only in the words that we are speaking, in the actions that we are partaking of, or the attitudes that we have, He is close and near. And He has taken this position toward His sheep, toward you and me. Not because you deserve it, sir. You don't. I don't. We don't. But he did it because he is seeking and saving his sheep. He's seeking and saving the lost. What else does it mean? It means that the God that you and I serve is a personal God. Yes, he is omnipotent, omniscient, he is transcendent, he is high, majestic, lifted up, yet he is right here. When you think of God, how do you think of Him? 
How do you think of the one true living God who reigns and rules in all splendor? How do you think of him? You know, there are stages in life that I think of God differently. At one point, I thought of him as, as uh, one who is on the throne and ready to zap me for everything that I was about to or had done. I just thought, you know, lightning bolt's coming. You know, can I dodge it? No. But it's coming. I remember the first time that I held Nathan in my arms, my firstborn. And I thought of, of how God does that to me. I read a passage of Scripture. I think of him as a commander. I read another passage of Scripture and I think of him just like today as a shepherd. I read a passage of Scripture and I think of him as a friend. How do you think of God? Whether you think of him as one who has lightning bolts pointed all at you or you think of him as one that you can just get up in his lap and he is right there. Yes, but know this. Whether you and I think of him as a friend, as Abba, Daddy, as King of kings and Lord of lords, know this, he is close right now. He knows everything that you are thinking. He knows everything that you have done. He knows everything that you will do. Yet he is close to us right now. And it is a position that he has taken as Jehovah Rohi. This position is unique, but let's look at a second truth from this passage. Not only do we see that the position that the one whose name Jehovah Rohi, Yahweh Rohi, takes, and it is unique, we see the testimony awarded. To us because of that name. David wrote this as a sheep. There are a number of things that one could say about a sheep, but one of the things that one could never say about a sheep is that they are smart. Sheep are not smart. Another thing that one could not say about sheep is that sheep are direct, definitive, make a choice, and they continue in that direction. They do not. Hence, we have songs and scripture verses that state, like sheep, we are prone to wander. Yet this sheep, David writing here, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. In this passage, there are three testimonies that David speaks of. The first is in verse 1, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's Christmas time. Yesterday, I was in a text back and forth with my mom. The text went something like this. What does Nathan want for Christmas? I need a list. What does Mary Morgan want for Christmas? I need a list. What does baby Riley want for Christmas? Who knows? I need a list. Something that was not stated. What does Brian want for Christmas? As Christmas approaches, we look at those words that David states. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in any need. That's not what he states. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because this shepherd not only knows what every item it is that this sheep wants and needs, but He provides everything for the sheep. A second testimony is not only that He shall not want, but the sheep, David states, I will fear no evil. The sheep is testifying to the protection that is surrounding him by the shepherd. Are you in fear? Is there anxiety in your life? Is there worry in your life? You and I, When we have fear, you and I, when we worry, when there is anxiety, it is that we are not resting close to the shepherd. For when that occurs, even though we walk, as verse 4 states, through the valley of the shadow of death, even though verse 5 states, that you prepare a table before me where in the presence of my enemies. What does that mean? That means that in this testimony that David is proclaiming for you and for me as well, that we are not alone. That it's not just us and our enemies close together, but it is us and the shepherd protecting us in the midst of those enemies. Do you have enemies? If you have enemies... Those enemies are not close to you. They are separated from you because there is a shepherd around you protecting you even in the midst of those enemies. Let's don't overlook verse 4. I don't know about you, but every time I used to think about a rod, the next word out of my mouth was not comfort. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. My dad's rod 
at that moment that it was being used did not comfort. It hurt. But what is David stating here? I told you just a moment ago, right? Sheep like to wander. Sheep don't stay in one direction. But this shepherd who is walking right there in the midst of the sheep and the sheep starts to wander, he takes the rod at first and he just taps it back into the right direction. Has he ever tapped you in that back, back in the right direction? It's not, it's not, trust me, it is not a beating tap. It is a tap from this rod to get us back on this direction. But some of us have some thick skulls. And when he tapped us with the rod to get us back into direction, we did not heed that tap. And guess what we did? We turned even further away from the direction and we started to get some momentum. And before we could get too far out of reach, he turned the rod around that had a little crook at the end. And as we were getting up our speed in those gates, he just touched our neck and yanked us right back in direction. Why? Because he was so close to us, he could, first and foremost. Second, because He knows what is best for you. And He has what is best for you. And He is leading you toward what is best for you. So therefore, if you and I would just follow and the testimony of this King, the testimony of David, is that I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're right there and you are protecting me. A third testimony is this. There in verse number 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I read for us already John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. Let me read for us verse 27 one more time. And I want you to think about yourself as I read this verse. Is this your testimony? Don't be too quick to answer. Is this your testimony? My sheep hear my voice. I know them And they follow me. My sheep, Jesus, the Good Shepherd states, hear my voice. Do you hear his voice? Do you hear his voice? My sheep, there's no descriptor there that states on Sunday mornings from 10 to 11.30, hear my voice. There's no descriptor that states my sheep, when they want to hear my voice, my sheep, Jesus states, 
hear my voice. When's the last time you heard his voice? When's the last time you paused in your schedule and heard his voice? Not when's the last time you lifted up, hey Lord, would you help me in this, and went about your way. But when's the last time you paused, didn't say a word, and stayed there long enough to hear his voice? I will dwell in the house. Every single person in their right mind, I will add, desires to spend eternity in a place of rest. The sheep, David says, here's my testimony. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This sheep knows the plush, luxurious, lasting, great spot for all eternity. And that spot is in the house of the Lord. My sheep hear my voice. Jesus says, I know them. And before we move on, might I ask one more time. They follow me. Hey, Dad, are you following him? Are you following him? Do you know what it means to follow? It means to go in the same direction. I've told you this story before been a long time, I believe. One of the first times that my dad ever took me hunting, it, there was snow on the ground. I was probably eight, nine years old, maybe. And we were, we were hunting, and he said, all right, we're going to walk, and, and I want you to follow me. And it was extremely easy for me to follow him in one respect. Because everywhere he stepped with his boots, it made an imprint, and I could see where he was going. The problem was that his gait was a little longer than mine. And so he was just stepping, and I was almost jumping to try to hit the same boot print that he did. Do you know the Lord says this to his sheep? Hey, sheep. I am leading you in this direction. Follow me. Do you want the very best? Yes. Follow him. Do you have to hit the boot print where he hits? No, but you've got to go the same direction that he does. Do you want the very best for your life? Do you? Follow him. The shepherd is leading you to water. The shepherd is leading you to pasture. The shepherd is leading you to rest. Verse 
My sheep hear my voice. If you do not hear his voice, stop. Stop. If you are not following him, stop. Right now, stop. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. A few verses before that, he states that I give them life abundantly. Life now, right now. Life eternal, abundantly. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Those of us who are His, we are in Jesus' hands, He is in the Father's hands and nothing or no one can snatch us out of His hand. Students, are you in Christ's hands? Sir, are you in Christ's hands? Ma'am, are you in Christ's hands? Have you surrendered your life to Him? Have you come to know Him as Savior? He says, I have come to seek and save the lost. Sir, today are you lost? Students, do you need a Savior? Have you gone in the wrong direction? He is here today extending to you grace, love, security, protection, the testimonies of the shepherd, the testimonies of the sheep. Right here in this passage, I shall not warn, I will fear no evil, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One final thought as we close the message today. This truth that we see, a third and final truth, deals with all the other names in the Old Testament about God. All the other names in the Old Testament of God. They are found in these six verses. Warren Wiersbe states this, Each of the Old Testament names for God is seen in this psalm. Jehovah Jireh, we saw that a few weeks ago. Austin preached on it out of Genesis 22, 13, and 14. The Lord will provide. It's in the psalm. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord will heal. The Lord will restore. It's out of Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, in this psalm. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, out of Judges chapter 6, verse 24, in this psalm. Jehovah Sidkenu. The Lord our righteousness out of Jeremiah chapter 23 in this psalm. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Ezekiel chapter 48 verse 35 in this psalm. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Exodus chapter 17 in this psalm. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd in this psalm. Jehovah Mekadesh. The Lord sanctifies, draws near 
in the psalm. This is the pearl of all the psalms. What a passage of Scripture that speaks over and over and over again of the position the Lord has taken toward you. Toward me. The question for us today is this. Knowing that. Knowing that. Is it going to change how you live the rest of your day? Is it going to change how you live this week? Knowing the position that the King of all eternity, the God over everything, how close He has come. Will it change the words that you state? Will it change the actions that you have plans for already? Those actions are in your calendar. They've been written down. But knowing that this God has positioned Himself this way towards you, will it change your actions? Some in this room, you don't know Him as Savior. You don't know Him as Lord. Paul wrote it this way in Romans. He said, God demonstrated His love toward us, you, me, that while we were enemies against Him, Christ loved us. He has demonstrated toward you, sir, ma'am, that don't know Him, how much He loves you. Father, this passage of Scripture is a weighty, awesome picture of who you are and what you have done for me. What you have done for us. God, it, it is common. You know that. But Father, as we have heard it today, I pray you have blown the dust off of it in our hearts and in our minds. You have focused our eyes and our thoughts on these Aspects, truths of this passage. And we have seen this unique position that you have taken toward us. I pray that we might all be able to state these testimonies. And that they would not just be of, of a sheep from hundreds and thousands of years ago. That of David. But Father, they would be mine. They would be ours. We would rest in you and not have anything to want. That we would not fear. That we would dwell in your house, Father. Thank you for showing us who you are. Thank you for all those names. May we be reminded of them, not just in a room on a Sunday, but may 
May we converse back and forth with You, God. May we come to You as one who needs peace and know that we're coming to You, Jehovah Shalom. Our peace. May we come to You as Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides even beforehand. Lord, we need those things and You provide. Thank You. Lord, as we we stand and as we sing, I pray Your Spirit would work in our hearts. I pray that we would act when You speak. And we would obey You. Stand and join us as we sing. It's a song of reflection, a song of invitation for you to, to respond. If you need to speak with me about who Jesus is, I'd love to share with you who He is. How much He loves you. You respond as we sing.